The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for everyone in this place. Thank you because we will see the travel of our souls and we will be glad. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Um, today is part six of our series, God is More Than Enough. God is more than enough. And our text remains Psalm 23. And we read together from verse 1 to 6. Psalm 23, from verse 1 to 6. It's on the screen. We'll read from the New King James Version of the Bible. Psalm 23, from verse 1 to 6. Are we there? Let's read together. One, two, go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It makes me to lie down in green pastures. It leads me beside still waters. It restores my soul. It leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Your God is more than enough. Your God is more than enough. In part one, we established that God is more than enough. And we, we, we said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God is bigger than all my needs. God is bigger than all my needs. God is bigger than all your needs. And we drilled down and we began to unpack it. In part two, we looked at God is bigger than my spiritual need. It satisfies my soul. In part three, we looked at God is bigger than my directional need. God is more than enough to meet my directional needs. It leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. In part four, we explained that God is more than enough to meet my security needs. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. In part five, last week at the God Rule Again service, we looked at God is more than enough to meet my physical needs. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My provisional needs are sorted out. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Today in part six, we are going to be looking at God is more than enough to meet my eternal needs. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And when this life is done, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Eternal. And David starts off by saying in verse 6, Surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely, surely, surely. In other words, there is no iota of doubt. David is saying, I'm not guessing here. You know, sometimes when we are going through life, it's as if you are guessing. Even some Christians, a lot of the time, it's as if this Christian work is just guesswork. You know, um, um, 
you know, that was, this works, this doesn't work. You know, it's like guesswork. But no, 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 David is saying there is no guesswork here. Surely, no guesswork, no doubt, no wondering, no hesitation, no question mark. Surely, everybody say surely. Not maybe, not perhaps, not possibly, not hopefully, surely, certainly, absolutely, without a doubt. God wants us to get to a place in our work with him. We are able to say like David, when we've experienced the shepherd, we are able to say like David, surely, surely. We've seen God meet our spiritual needs. David has experienced the restoration of soul. He's seen God meet his directional needs. He's seen God lead him in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He's seen God meet his security needs even when he went to the valley of the shadow of death. He saw God meeting his physical need, provisional need. God providing a table before him in the presence of his enemies. God anointing his head with oil. His cup running over, his conclusion is surely, without a doubt, without a doubt. And that's where God wants us to be. That's where God wants us to be. By the time we, we, we progress in our journey, in our work with God, God wants us to get to a place where even if everything around you is saying something different, you can say, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Regardless of what is uncertain in this world, God wants you to be able to say, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So David is, is teaching us something that's very profound. That see, when God is your shepherd, God is for you. And when God is for you, God is dependable. When the Lord is your shepherd, he is for you. He's for you. He's on your side. So you can say, surely. In Psalm 56 verse 9, the same David says something that is so profound. Psalm 56 verse 9. David says, then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. I have a backup line. When I call for help, he says, by this I will know that God is for me. David is saying, I'm not, I'm not pretending that I don't have enemies. I'm not pretending that everything's going to be rosy. I'm not pretending that I'm not going to be under attack. What I am saying is, even when those dark days come and I call for help, all my enemies will scatter because God is for me. As you call for help, all your enemies will scatter because God is for you. I like the way the voice translation puts it. It says, then my enemies will, will what? We turn back and scatter on the day I call out to you. As you have called out to God today, your enemies will turn back and scatter. And you will know for certain that God is on your side. When you go through this kind of journey with God, you can say, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But you see, the question is, why are we sometimes insecure? Why are we sometimes unable to say surely? Why do we say hopefully? Why do we sometimes say perhaps? Why do we read it and sometimes say maybe? Why are we insecure? The answer is simple, I mean. It's because we stop remembering how much our Heavenly Father, our Daddy, loves us. That's why we, we, stop, we, we stop remembering how much God loves us, how much God is our Daddy, 
and he loves us and he's committed to us. When we forget that, then we, we, we begin to, to shake. When you remember that, you are, you are fine. Regardless of what is going on around you, you know that your daddy will deliver. You know, there's, I keep coming back to the analogy of daddy and son. <laughs> you know, there's, when you have a son that trusts his daddy, it's a beautiful sight to behold. Why? Because that son will, or daughter will put absolute trust that the man himself, if his wife, should, if his wife, he should be afraid. The, the man himself, if he asks if his wife, he should be afraid. Because the, the son or the daughter trusts the father totally and absolutely. And for me, I mean, when I got saved, I really didn't struggle relating to God as a father. I know that's not a story for a lot of people, you know. But whatever the case is, God will heal you in Jesus' name. My dad, growing up, you know, I had a good relationship with him. It was, it was as in, it was everything. It was, it was just like everything. You know how a father is everything to a child. If my dad says to me, I want to, I'm going to do this, you know, I just believe he can do it. He said to me on my ninth birthday, what do you want for your birthday? And, you know, when you ask a son, what do you want for your birthday? You know, and it's, in his mind, he's saying, hmm, get ready for this request, you know. And, and I said, I wanted a bicycle, you know. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, he needs to move heaven and earth to get his bicycle. But he's the one that asked. And the birthday came, and I had a bicycle. I can never forget it. I was the only one with a bicycle in the neighborhood. <laughs> My point is this. I thought it was a big request. But in retrospect, I can see that it's such a little request. Maybe I should have asked for a car. <laughs> and many times, with our Heavenly Father, what we are asking for is a bicycle. And we are still saying to him, are you able to bring that bicycle? And he said, excuse me. If you just asked for a bicycle, he has chariots of fire in heaven. He says, you are even just asking for an ordinary car. I want to, I want to carry you on the wing, wings of the wind. God carried, was this Stephen? From Jerusalem to Ethiopia. He didn't go back. There was no airplane. He didn't go by ship. It gave him heavenly transportation. You are asking for a bicycle. And you are saying, maybe God can. Maybe. Look, beginning from today, you will be able to say like David, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will what? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, if you look at Psalm, 63, Psalm 23, verse 6, if you, if you consider that whole passage of scripture, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in your house forever. It, it, it looks like God is it's, it's an insurance policy. It's like, it's like God is saying, you are insured And, you know, when you are covered, when you have insurance, you know that if the car gets stolen, insurance will what? Replace it. So you're not really worried because you are covered. Now, if you know the concept of of, of insurance, you begin to say to yourself, okay, if we are insured, then who paid the premium? Who paid and who is paying the premium? You see, the truth is that for us New Testament believers, 
The premium was paid 2,000 years ago. Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary and died for you and I and paid our premium for our covering, for our insurance. You say, okay, so when does it elapse? You know, because every policy has a, a, a period. David is telling us, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So, it's, we elapse for your lifetime. Now, <laughs> for most people, that is where their insurance ends. But David says, even when I'm gone, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this is an eternal policy. It covers everything. From that, so if, you see, it, it just doesn't make sense not to be a child of God. Really. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense not to be committed to God. It doesn't make sense not to give your life to Jesus. It doesn't make sense. Why? Because you are open. You are not covered. You are just trying to cover your basis. How much can you cover without God? How much? God is saying to us from this passage of scripture that he's committed to you. When you are God's child, when you belong to Jesus, God is committed, is so committed to you that even when you give up on him, as long as you are alive, he will not give up on you. That's how beautiful it is. If you give up on him, as long as there's breath in you, he won't give up on you. Oh, are people giving up on God and they've died in that state? Yes. Then it's too late. Appointed unto man wants to die. But until then, God will not give up on you. He doesn't. That's his nature. That's his nature. Surely, God's goodness and mercy shall follow me. Now, the picture David is painting here, he's painting a picture, he's a shepherd himself. You know, he was a shepherd before he became a king. So sometimes, many times he's using the shepherd's experience and he, 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 he lists it over his kingly experience also when he says, spread the table before you in the presence of your enemies and all that. So, when, when David says, surely Goodness and mercy shall follow me. The, 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 the picture is painting. is the picture of a shepherd that has sheep dogs. You know, shepherd we have sheep dogs. Now, the sheep dogs usually will follow the sheep. I suspect, and most shepherds usually will have a couple of sheep dogs. Just a handful, maybe one, sometimes two, two dogs for a whole herd, sometimes three, but not, nothing compared to the number of sheep. So I suspect that David named his own sheep dogs goodness and mercy. That's my suspicion. I suspect that he named his own sheep dogs goodness and mercy. So he was imagining him being God's sheep. And goodness and mercy, making sure he's on track. So his goodness and his mercy, like good sheep dog, God's good sheep dog, they will sniff you out, they will track you down, and they will put you back on track. That's what they do. That's what they do. So when David says, goodness and mercy shall follow me, now, while the earthly shepherds have only a handful of sheep dogs per herd, our heavenly father, the shepherd of shepherds, has an innumerable company of angels. So, at least, at least, you have two angels. And I can tell you their names. Goodness. A mercy. <laughs> I can tell you, at least by assignment, by assignment. Now, if you understand that all scriptures are given by inspiration of God, David was inspired to write this of God. So, God's angels, like a shepherd's sheepdogs, 
will sniff you out. They will track you down and they will put you back on track. That is the confidence that David had that surely goodness and mercy, the sheep runs, but the sheep cannot run faster than the dog. The sheep dog. So God is saying, you can run, but you cannot run faster than my goodness and mercy. My goodness and mercy will overtake you. You try to run. Run to the left, they will corner you. Run to the right, mercy is there. Run ahead, goodness is waiting for you. So God is saying, my ministering spirit will ensure that the goods are delivered. My ministering spirit will ensure that the goods are delivered. So David can say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. So from an assignment standpoint, every believer has two angels. One responsible for goodness, one responsible for mercy, even, though that, even if that's not their names. One is responsible for goodness, one is responsible for mercy. You may have more than two, but you have at least two. Do you believe that? Good. So let's look at goodness. Angel goodness. <laughs> goodness means all the benefits and the promises of God for you. That is goodness. All the benefits and promises of God. That's goodness. So, when you go forward, God says you will jam goodness. When you turn to the right, you are going to collide with goodness. Why? Goodness is swift, it's fast, it's competent, it delivers. Always delivers. Psalm 31 verse 19. Psalm 31 verse 19. The word of God says, how great is the goodness you have stored up for those that fear you. Now, you don't mise it. You don't ration it. You lavish. Everybody say lavish. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection. God doesn't, doesn't say, oh, yeah, goodness, take more. Take more. God doesn't say, yeah, take two spoons of goodness. God doesn't say, yeah, take two uh, cubes of goodness. No. God says, I baptize you with goodness. That's, that's what he's saying. I lavish it on you. And it, it's interesting how he does it. If you, if you look at it, he says, blessing them before the watching world. God has a habit of blessing you in front of other people to see. It's, it's, it's like his, his habit. I don't want to call it a bad habit. Because it's a good habit. <laughs> he, he likes to prepare a table before you in the presence of the world and your enemies inclusive. Like we learned last week, if you are able to cover it, if you are able to cover it, it means it's still too small. If you are able to cover it, you don't even need any advertisement. God himself will do the advertisement. The blessings itself, the goodness, will be so much and so strong, it will be undeniable. That is the God we serve. He says, blessing them before the watching world. Psalm 84 verse 11. Psalm 84 verse 11. Says to us, it says, for the Lord God is our son and our shield and he gives us grace and glory. The Lord will not withhold anything good, no good thing from those who put their trust in him and would do what is right. God will not withhold anything good from his sheep. God will not withhold anything. I mean, 
years ago, I mean, when we first earlier on in, in our marriage, you know, I would say to my wife that if, if we don't have it yet, we don't need it yet. So, let's say we don't have a car. <clears throat> we didn't have a car. I said, don't worry. The reason we don't have a car now is because we don't need it yet. What was my basis? God will not withhold anything good. Now, you could say that, oh, pastor, are you not naive? Is that not naivety? Well, I choose to be scripturally, to be naive under the control of scriptures. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I choose the word over anybody's wisdom. I choose the word of God over any wisdom of the world. Because the word of God is the wisdom of God. So, so I'm saying, if you don't have it, you don't need it yet. The day we need it, God will supply it. Why? Because he will not withhold anything good from them that love him. So I was confident that what I don't have, I don't need. I trusted my shepherd that if I am able to eat twice a day, that is what I need. If I'm able to eat once a day, believe me, that's how I, that's how I trusted God. That is all I need. I just need to eat. After all, how many times did God feed, feed Elijah? Twice a day now. Twice. You're eating twice a day. You're cursing God. Saying that your mates are eating three times. May God have mercy upon you. <laughs> the food that God supplies is enough. What, listen. What God supplies is enough for me. What he doesn't supply, I don't need it. Why? What is the basis of this confidence? That scripture, he will not withhold anything good from them that love him. Now, God will not withhold it from me. It's not, if it's good for me, he will give it to me. You have to trust God beyond your experiences. You have to trust God beyond what, what life is throwing at you. You have to trust God beyond even what you can see and know that at his heart, God is a good God. You know, David could say, taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean, why would he be able to say that? Because he has tasted. Again, like David, by the grace of God, I can say, taste and see that the Lord is good. We always run into problems when we do things our own way. That's, that's the only time we run into problems. That's the only time. When God puts you on the level, yes, desire promotion. Don't get me wrong. Yes, desire it. But be content in your shepherd. Be content in your God. Knowing that he will not withhold it from you when it is time for you to have it. When you have that confidence, you are not rattled. You are not, you are not filled with anxiety. When you have that confidence, you go to sleep. You sleep like a baby. Why? Because your God will not withhold anything good from you. Praise the name of the Lord. So, the goodness of God is like a sheepdog. The ministry spirit. David is saying it will track you down. You can't run away from God's goodness. In fact, God is saying, you know, sometimes maybe the sheep, shepherd and the sheep, they do a challenge. They allow the sheep to go. Then you now the dogs will now be chasing the sheep, you know, up and down. You see, God is saying, run as fast as you can. My goodness will catch up with you. Many times we think, oh, we are running too fast. Maybe we should slow down. Don't slow down. Keep running. The goodness will overtake you. You know, I have, I mean, single ladies that are doing very well, you know. And sometimes they come to me and they're like, oh, pastor, maybe I should, I should reduce the promotion. Maybe I should pray that God should not promote me as fast as he's promoting me. And I'm like, why? And they're like, uh, which man will marry me now? Maybe 
a, a, a lot of men, they are insecure. You know? Now I have three SUVs packed in my garage. They are giving me a, a new house. You know, maybe I should reject the house so I can stay in face me and face you. So that if you do that, you will marry a face me and face you man. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. And I always said to them, in fact, there was one I said to them, I said, look at me, look at me, look at me. She looked at me. I said, never. Never, ever. I was, I, I, I was, I was frank in my face. I was, I was like, never, ever, ever think like that again or say that. Ever. He says, eh. I said, yeah. He says, why? I said, keep going. The man that has the capacity will catch up with you. I will marry you. In fact, when you are going, you are leaving the mediocres behind. You are leaving the mediocres, the chickens behind. If you insist on staying where chickens can find you, and you think you want to carry chicken to the mountain, chicken will tell you that you are under me and I am eating rubbish. You must eat rubbish with me. I mean, that is, that's what happens. Okay. By the way, the single amongst us, have you gotten my letter? I wrote every single person here a letter. If you, if you don't have the letter yet, everybody, you know, the ones, the ones I know your name, I put your name there. If I don't know your name, it's, it's, um, you can tell me your name next time I'll put your name there. But there's a letter for you. <clears throat> Ask Adasa. She'll give you the letter if she, if she hasn't given you yet. So, so the point is this. Keep going. So I said to them in essence, keep going. Don't cut off God's blessings. Keep being the best God has called you. Guess what? Goodness will overtake you. You cannot outrun God's blessings. It's impossible. Run as fast as you can. The other sheepdog. <laughs> the other sheepdog. Mercy. Mercy. It's, it's the Hebrew word said. H-E-S-E-D, S-E-D. It's, it is a, it's one of the, I mean, the theologians tell us that it's one of the richest words in Hebrew. It's full with meaning. Mercy is also translated unfailing love. It's the loving kindness. You know, your loving kindness is better than life. It's said. Your said. your loving kindness is better better than life. It's a very rich word. So, I said, mercy speaks of God's loyal commitment to you. God is committed to you unconditionally. God is committed. And, you know, God is saying, I know you are not perfect. While you are running fast, you are trying to fulfill your destiny, you are going to trip, you are going to make mistakes, Mercy is going to catch up with you. Mercy is God just saying, I'm not going to punish you. I'm going to forgive you. You're not going to get what you deserve. That's mercy. He says, I said, we'll catch up with you. Goodness on one hand, mercy on the other hand, they are chasing you and you cannot outrun them. They are going to catch up with you. They are going to catch up with you. Praise the name of the Lord. So, many of us think God is committed to me if, God is committed to me if, if, no, 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 no. He's committed to you because you belong to him. God is not committed to you if you do A or if B is in place. God is committed to you because you belong to him. You are, if you think about it, you are committed to your children. Not to everything your child does. 
You're not committed to everything your child does. You're, but you're committed to your child. It may be a badly behaved boy. It may be an arrogant girl. It may be a troublemaker. You are not committed to the trouble he's making. But you are committed to the boy. We don't have any problem with that. But why do we think God will have a problem with that? Are you saying you are better than God? Or you are a better parent than God? God is saying, I am not going to give up on you because you are mine. Yes, I don't like your bad behavior. Yes, I don't like your mouth is too sharp. Yes, I don't like... (laughs) The way you do A, the way you do B. But you are mine. You are mine. So why do you love your children in spite of the fact that they are not perfect? It's simple. They are yours. The reason God loves me, even though I'm not perfect, is simple. I'm ease. You can't touch me. I'm the apple of God's eye. If you touch me, God is going to deal with you. That's how it is. You know, <laughs> it just means that's how it is that's what it means and it goes for every one of us and that is how it is that's just how it is yes I have my idiosyncrasies if you will I, I'm not perfect but I'm God's boy I'm his boy praise the Lord you are not perfect but guess what you are God's child you are ease. And, and that is big. That is so, 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 so big. I told you about my dad. I'm telling you about my mom. So that is balanced. <laughs> when I was in secondary school, I think from five or something, I wasn't saved. I did things, even right now, I'm not proud of. No, I'm not. You know, one of the things I did in secondary school, from four, from five. Got me suspended. Now, my mom was a teacher in the school. She was like, at the time, close to being vice principal. And what I did, I, I, I don't even want to say it. It's just not good. I was suspended. And it was big for my mom because she teaches in that school the, 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 the reproach. And not only was I suspended, I was flogged on the assembly ground. Twelve lashes. And in my foolishness, they were flogging me. I did not even move. And the juniors were shouting. Imagine what my mom would have been feeling. I was suspended for two weeks from school. And guess what? At the end, she still said, get in the car. She still took me home. I still worked my lunch. I still had a roof over my head. Even while I was not in school, she would still come back and check, what were you doing? Did you do this work? Did you do that work? Did you do this? In retrospect, that is unconditional love. She wasn't happy with what I did, obviously. But... I, am, I was hers. She accepted who I was. This is my son. It didn't cross my mind that I'm going to lose my mom. It didn't cross, I, I kid you not, it did not even cross my mind that I was going to lose my lunch. My Eba was waiting. We ate Eba every day, so I don't even need to remember what I ate. <laughs> yes, it was our lunch, standard lunch. I know some of you, you used to have uh, different things, salad, and, you know. Our own was just one, Eba. 
It's only on Sundays that we had a different meal. Only on Sundays. Is that true in other places too? Hey, only on Sundays. <laughs> you eat your but you'll be happy. So, so why? Why would I think that, okay, yeah, yeah, I fall short of the standard. Yeah, I'm, I'm still growing. Yes, there are things that maybe God is not, God still wants me to be, improve upon. But it never occurs to me that God will abandon me. It doesn't even cross my mind. Not once. Not once. Not once. Why? Because I'm also a parent. You guys are your parents. What would you do? Nothing. You just do shakala. You flog the boy. Then what? Make sure you eat too. Boy, now begins on gas strike. You begin to be worried. Don't you think your heavenly father is much more better as a parent? Don't you think so? Really? So God loves you because you are his. He just he loves you because you are his. You see, what a way to live. What a way to live. What a way to live, knowing that goodness and mercy will stick with me for the rest of my life. What a way to live. Again, if if you're not a child of God, you're just missing out. You're missing out a whole lot. A whole lot. That verse 6 says, you know, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell. I will say dwell. In the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. Now, this is not talking about church. Because if you see, there are two parts to that passage of scripture. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. That is on earth. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. That is not church on earth. That is eternity in heaven. Forever. Because he knows that it won't be on earth forever. So, he wasn't talking about earth here. He's talking about eternity in heaven. But you see, the truth is that earth is rehearsal for heaven. If you cannot stand God's presence for two hours, can you stand his presence for eternity? So, if, if you cannot, if you don't enjoy God's presence just for 30 minutes, you're looking at your wristwatch. Uh-uh. This watch is not working. It's working. So, the, the point is this. David enjoyed his presence of the Lord so much on earth that he's looking forward to an eternity with God. You have to begin to enjoy God's presence on earth. Because it's an indication of your enjoyment of his, he- of his presence in heaven. Even though earth is the foretaste, the Bible says, of what is to come. But the foretaste will let you know whether you like the soup or not. You're going to give you taste and you taste it and you squeeze your face, you are not going to enjoy that soup. But when you taste it and you smile, and you enjoy the soup, you look forward to enjoying the soup for eternity. For eternity. So, he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. To dwell means I will be at home. You dwell in your house. It means I will be at home. Praise the name of the Lord. You dwell in your house. But it says it's the house of the Lord. In other words, I'm going to dwell in my daddy's house forever. If we like the perspective of our home, our real home, that is, our true home, dominate our lives, we will see everything in the light of eternity. And, and that's where David is. If, if, you, if you understand that you look forward to a home that you're going to dwell in, that is your real home. It's going to change your perspective of many things. That thing that you're killing yourself for now, will it matter in a hundred years? Will it matter in a thousand years? That thing, that, that bag, 
what you did to get that bag. After 100 years, will you still be carrying the bag? What is the value? That thing that you are holding on to with all your life, where will it be? In a hundred years, in a thousand years, in eternity. The person you have refused to forgive. Where will, how will that matter in a thousand years? You know, when men's fellowship yesterday, and men's fellowship was fantastic yesterday. Praise the name of the Lord. Yeah, I mean, the men, we had, we had a lot of fun. I'm not sure women have that kind of fun when they come together. I'm, I'm not just quite sure. You know, ours was, I mean, up the chain, you know. <laughs> and, you know, the things that were said there, personally as a pastor, I actually wish the women would hear it, really. Really. But you see, one of the, one of the guys was talking about the second day of marriage, the fights that happened between him and his wife, the second day of marriage. And when a third party came in, they were even ashamed to tell the third party what caused the problem. You know, the, the kind of problem you have, the wife has packed the load, I'm going to my father's house, hey, go, you to go, hey, go. So someone said, okay, what happened? They looked at her, yeah, ask him. Yeah, ask her. Why? Because it is embarrassing to say, okay, it's because of toothpaste. Or it's because of, you know, so they couldn't even, theirs wasn't toothpaste, I just get toothpaste. They couldn't even say it in front of the third party because they would look very stupid. And they packed back. What does that tell you? Sometimes we make permanent decisions based on temporary situations. We make, yeah, it's a good place to clap for Jesus. Yeah, it's a good place to clap. We make, we, make, we make a big deal out of nothing. We make a big deal out of something that would be irrelevant in ordinary 10 years. Talk less of 100 years. Talk less of eternity. You are killing yourself for. You know that if you have the right perspective and know that there is a home that you are going to in heaven, it changes everything. If you have the right perspective, and you know that you are not at home on earth. This earth is not home. It just changes everything. And if I live in the light of eternity, if I see heaven as my home, it will show. It will show. It will show in the way I love God. It will show in the way I love God. You see, the love of God for some of us isn't real because we have tried to make the earth our home. That's why the love of God is not real. Because you are, you are, you are building everything. You, everything, all your investment, your treasures are not there. Your treasures are here. You cannot love God because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we struggle. It will show in our love for God. Number two, if I live in the light of eternity. Not only will it show in my love for God, it will show in how I view the world. It will show. If you, if you relate to somebody that has eternity in view, it will show. It will show. The problem with us is that we treat this world like home. We treat it like home. So we give it a position it was never meant to have. Hence our confusion and our misery. That's why a lot of people are confused and miserable today. Because we have, you may mouth that heaven is your home, but your actions tell us that you view this earth as your home. Hence the confusion. Only when we see and have the right view of our heavenly home would we have the right view of our earthly visit. We are on a visitation on earth. When you visit somewhere, somewhere, you don't build a tent where you visit. Imagine you have a visitor that came to your house. He came in the morning at 10 o'clock. He ate breakfast with you. 
I mean, you're happy to share. You're a good person. And 12. You say, uh, it's, it's lunch ready. And you're like, okay. This visitor is very, getting very comfortable. Then at 1.30, he, ah, ah, it is, ah, I think I come. Ah, you people are enjoying, you know, you know. He walks. He washes his hands. He spreads his legs. He watches CNN. He snoozes off. And you are looking at your wife. You are scratching your head. <laughs> Where will this visitor go? And he wakes up at six. I say, what time do you people eat dinner in this place? <laughs> now, 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 now. You, you know where I'm going with this. You will, you will begin to say to him, Olga, in fact, we, we, we have, a, we have a, a visitation. My wife and I, we want to go out. That's the way of saying, uh, come and go. We find it strange when a visitor wants to dwell. But we don't consider that we as visitors on earth, we want to dwell. We want to dwell. David says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. We find it strange when a visitor wants to spread his tent. Yet, we want to grab onto things as if this is our life. In fact, we are getting signals. We are just not paying attention that this is not your house. They are beginning to tell you that uh, they need to go on a visitation. You are not getting it yet. Your body is telling you. You know that? Your body is like a clock that is rounding down. It's telling you. You cannot run the way you used to run before. He's saying, <clears throat> you used to be able to dance. And come on, if you come on now, you hear, <laughs> that's the body saying, you are a visitor. Many times we are not even listening. We are still asking for what to eat for lunch. We are still asking for what to eat for dinner. Eventually, the body will pack up. Eventually. So we are only visiting. We don't, visitors don't dwell. No. Visitors don't dwell. First Timothy 6, 7, quickly. It says, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world. And we can't take anything with us when we leave. It says, another translation says, we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we cannot go with anything. So, how many people, when you came to this world, you brought something with you? Let me see your hands up. You came stark naked. God is trying to tell you something. And you're not, I pray you get it. When you go, how many things are you going to carry with you? You are going to go stark naked. They can wear the clothes. They will wear the clothes. If they let them put gold ring there, the people that will come and collect it will come and collect it. They will exhume the body and they will strip it. That's what they do. Why? Because you're a visitor. I'm a visitor. This earth is not our home. If I live in the light of eternity, it will show. It will show. So when we understand, when you understand that your true home is with your father in heaven, you will not be afraid of death. No Christian on earth should be afraid of death. None. None. You, you will not be afraid of death. You will know that to die is gain, sir. To live is Christ, to die is gain. You will never be afraid of death. So, if I live in the light of eternity, 
If I see heaven as my home, it will show in how I relate with other people. Not only show you how I love God, not only will show you my worldview, it will show in how I relate with other people. If you have eternity in view, you will love easily and you will forgive easily. If you have eternity in view, you will love easily and you will forgive easily. If you have eternity in view. If you have eternity in view, you will go through a great length to connect people with God. Because everyone you meet, listen guys, everyone you meet is going to spend eternity somewhere. Either with God or in hell. Everyone you meet. So if you, if you, if you have eternity in view, you will try and con everybody you meet, you try and help them in one way to, or the other to connect them with God. Everyone you meet, you will, you will find a way of inviting people to church. You find a way of trying to connect people to God. Why? Everybody has an eternal destiny. Everybody has an eternal destiny. Everybody. There's a testimony that we showed last week of Bemigo. I, I want us to show the testimony again. Not because I, I, I really like the testimony. It gives glory to God. It shows God's power. <laughs> it is awesome. But I want, to, I want to bring another dimension to that testimony. Um, let's, let's have the video. Hello, family. Um, my name is Benigo Ikomi. And um, I want to testify to the goodness of God's glory. He has been very good to me. Um, I, I know that uh, everyone has been following my story. I'm dealing with sickle cell and kidney failure. And for the past two God do it again services, my prayer points have been total freedom and total healing from sickle cell and kidney failure. And I came I came I came to the US in January for better treatment and all and to the glory of God, they cannot find any trace of sickle cell in me anymore. I'm sickle, sickle cell free. They said I do not have the disease anymore. So I want to give God the glory. I want to thank God for his healing power over my life. And I know that he that has started this good work will complete it. Will give me brand new kidneys and dialysis will will become the thing of the past very soon in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to thank God for being part of GFA family. Thank God for Pastor Femi's life, for the anointing upon him will not run dry. God will continue to bless him and anoint him in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank God for my family that they stood by me. I want to thank God for going before me and giving me divine favor, even the people I don't know, God has been so good, and I want to use this opportunity to prophesy to anyone dealing with any Amen. health problems. Just hold on to God, same God that came through for me. We come through for everybody in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, um, what the point is this? She sent me a WhatsApp message, and she said that. If Pastor Kunle had not invited her to the February God will again service last year, where will her life be today? Now, this is it's even more interesting because when she was invited, she came and she, she didn't find parking, you know, because God will service, there's a lot of, you know, you know, God will help us to solve this parking problem in Jesus' name. She didn't find parking and she turned, she was going away. Then Pastor Kule called her, where are you? She said, oh, there's no parking me, I'm going, you know. He compelled her to come back. Maybe found parking for her and brought her to church. And she's eternally grateful to God for that. Eternally. 
There are people in your lives that you know that if nothing happens, they are going to go to hell or they are going to die in their sickness. And you do nothing. It's telling a story of what you actually believe. It's telling a story of what you actually believe. It does. In fact, somebody said to his pastor that there's no heaven and there's no hell. And the pastor says, why? He says, if heaven is real and hell is real, he says, everybody in church, he says, as soon as they leave church, they will carry all their family members. They will compel them. They will carry all their friends. They will compel them. He says, but they, they leave church. They go to a restaurant. They just, you know, laugh. They leave all of us. They look at us. They know we are going to hell. If hell was real, they would not behave like that. That was the man's conclusion because of the behavior of the Christians that they met. So, if God is your destination, is heaven, is your destination, it will show, it will show in how you love God. It will show in your worldview, how you, how you make your decisions. It will show in how you relate to other people. It will show in how you relate to people. It will show. And God wants us to keep that focus clean and sharp. It is what makes us survive in spite of all the onslaught. It is because we keep our focus clean and sharp that makes us survive. It's because we know that we have a home in heaven that makes us forbear, forgive, love, invite, compel, persuade. It's because of eternity. It's because of that view. There's a story of a lady, Florence Chadwick, She's the first woman to swim the English Channel in history. And she decided to swim from Catalina Highland in the shore of California to California. Now, that distance about 34 kilometers of the Pacific Ocean. A woman swimming 34 kilometers of the Pacific Ocean. After swimming for 16 hours, In the cold water, her bones were shaking. She said she couldn't continue anymore. And it was foggy. It was really foggy. So she couldn't even see where she was going. Obviously, they would be following her with a boat. So she said she couldn't continue anymore. So she gave up and she climbed on the boat. She climbed on the boat only for her to discover that she was only two kilometers away from the shore. She has swam 32 kilometers. She was only 2 kilometers. But because she couldn't see the shore. So obviously she was sad. And a few years passed and she came and she said she wanted to swim it again. And she swam it and got to the shore of California in record time. And during the interview, they were asking her, when you got to that 32nd kilometer mark. Didn't you feel the way you felt? She says she felt exactly the same way. Her bones were giving up. Her fingers were all numb. She says, but I kept the picture of the shore before me. I knew it was just two kilometers away. I knew that this is how it looks like. And I kept the picture before me. And she finished in record time. David is saying to you and I, I keep the picture of my house in heaven before me. So I don't give up. I will have, you will have opportunities to give up. You will have opportunities to back down. If you keep in mind how much God loves you and you allow goodness and mercy to keep you going until you see Jesus in glory, you will make it. Even though your circumstances are hard, you will discover that your God is good. And like that woman, surely 
goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I have an eternal view forever. Amen. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. Some of us, we need to recalibrate our worldview. Some of us, is our love for God. We say, oh, now I see. This is how much God loves me. For some of us, it is how we relate to people. You have ignored people that are going to hell. You have ignored people that are suffering under the yoke of Satan. And God wants you to reach out to them. You've ignored it. I want to pray with you this morning. They're saying, Pastor, for me, it's the love for God. I cannot say I'm a child of God. I cannot say I'm born again. I want to be born again today. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Or I used to be born again and vaccinated. Can I give my life to Jesus today? Can I become his sheep? Can God become my shepherd? Can he become my father? Yes. Should I come forward? No. You don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you. That is me, Pastor. Put up your hand now over your head. Quickly, and I'll pray with you. That is me. That is me. God bless you. If I put up your hand, put up your hand well. God bless you over there. God bless you over there. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Once you have the card, you can put it down. That is me. God bless you. Another hand over there. Another hand over there. Keep the hands up. That is me. That is me. God bless you. Keep the hands up. That is me at the back. God bless you. Another hand in the back. Another hand behind there. Another hand there. Keep the hands up. Another hand right here in front. God bless you. That is me. I want to submit my life to Jesus. I want to become his sheep. I want God. God bless you right there. God bless you right there. Keep the hands up. I want God to become my shepherd. God bless you right there. That is me. Keep the hands up. I want God to become my shepherd. God bless you right there. In front of you right there. Yes, God bless you. Keep the hands up. I want God to become my shepherd. I want him to become his sheep. Oh, what a beautiful God we serve. What an awesome, committed God we serve. Now, for, if, if you are saved and it's your love for God that has waxed cold, why don't you talk to him? Oh, I'm sorry. For not seeing things as I ought to see them. Maybe it's your worldview that is making you hold on to material things, thinking this world is your own, thinking this is your home. Why don't you say to God, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe it's for you, it is how you treat people. There are people in your life, their eternal destiny is at stake. That is you. Talk to God. I still need to give my life to Jesus. Put up that hand over your head. Quickly. And we'll pray. Father in heaven, we, we thank you for your kindness. Lord, pour your love in our hearts, Lord. Let our love for you wax stronger and stronger. Let our worldview be that of the eternity. Let us have eternity in mind. Let us understand that we are just visitors. Let us not build a tent. Oh, when we are just sojourning. Lord, help us to relate with people with eternity in mind. Let us reach out to everybody that comes in contact with us. Let us reach out with the love of God. Let us connect them to the word of God. Let us, let us connect them to who you are. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's pray together for the Lord. For kindness, his words, his mercy.